Well, good morning, Orchard Church. How you guys doing today? Who enjoyed your extra hour of sleep this morning? Hey, let's give it up for fall back. We don't like that spring one, but we like this one. Hey, take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Haggai, chapter 1. We're continuing our three-week series called The Time Is Now. We'll pick it up in verse 12 in just a moment as you're finding your way to Haggai, chapter 1 this morning. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, I, I know probably nobody ever experiences this, but let me ask anyway. How many of you ever get discouraged about anything in life? You ever find yourself discouraged? I right, look around. That should be everyone. If somebody's not raising their hand, just tell them it's coming. You know, it's, gonna, it's not a matter if we're going to be discouraged, but when. We're, we get discouraged about a lot of things, finances, things that happen in our family, uh, things that happen with our health. Uh, anybody discouraged by the election this year? Can I just ask that? Can we all just agree, no matter which side you're on, it can be a little bit discouraging? Here's my one political statement for the day as we get ready uh, to finish up the voting on Tuesday. This is what I'm going to tell you. You need to vote. That's what I'm going to tell you. You need to vote. You say, why? I, I hear a lot of Christians saying, I'm not even going to vote this year. Too many brave men and women have given their lives and sacrificed for the freedom of this country and the right to vote. Don't take that for granted. Please don't take that for granted. And speaking of brave men and women, I think maybe one of the most important days of the week next week may not be Tuesday. It may be Friday, which is Veterans Day. So can we right now just have all our veterans who've served in the past currently serving, would you just stand right now and be recognized? And can we show our love and appreciation to our veterans? Amen. Amen. Thank you, veterans, so much for your Awesome service to this country. We appreciate and love you so much. You know, a lot of people are asking stuff about this election, and here, here's what I know. I'm not freaking out. I'm not worried, no matter which side you're on, because I'm going to wake up on Wednesday morning, and my faith is not going to be based on who's in the White House. It's going to be who's on the throne. Amen? And that's not changing. It's all good. I've read the end of the book, and we win. But if you're discouraged today, today, whether it's the election or anything else, we're going to talk about how to persevere through discouragement, persevering through discouragement. So today, as we jump back into our series in Haggai called The Time Is Now, uh, those of you that maybe weren't here last week or you forgot what we talked about last week, let me just give you the quick background, what's going on in this story when God raised up the prophet Haggai. And we know that in the fourth year of Solomon's reign, he built a magnificent temple to God. It was incredible. It it was huge. Um, people were coming from all over the world to see this temple and worship God. But in 587 BC, the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. God used this to discipline his people because they had fallen away from him and they were serving idols. And the Jews were taken into captivity for 70 years. They, they weren't able to be in their land and serve their God. But then about 50,000, after 70 years of captivity, about 50,000 Jews went back to Jerusalem. And one of the primary things they wanted to do was rebuild the temple, Solomon's magnificent temple, and so they got started. But they didn't get very far. Due to opposition, the Samaritans came in, and the work ceased, and they stopped working on the temple of God. God had called them back to Jerusalem to rebuild his house. They started working. They faced challenges and opposition, and they stopped working. And they didn't just stop for a day or a week or a month. They stopped for 14 years. They put on hold what God had called them to do. So God raises up this prophet. His name is Haggai, and he said this, the time, help me church, the time is now, the time is now to rebuild my house and do what I've called you to do. So that's the backstory, and we're going to pick it up today in Haggai chapter 1, verse 12, as they begin to obey God and start to get back to work and 
answering the call that the time is now. So let's pick it up in verse 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people, let's say it together, church, they began to obey the message from the Lord their God, which was to rebuild God's house. And when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord, they respected the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. And that's very important when you're doing what God's called you to do. We'll come back to that. In verse 14, here's what God did. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shutiel. Have you ever had God spark your enthusiasm? You know, encourage you to do something for him or to do something for your family, to do something in your life, and, and you know it's from God, and you get excited. That's what God did here. He sparked their enthusiasm to rebuild God's house, the son of Sh uh, Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They were excited. They were pumped. They were ready to do what God had called them to do, and they began to work on the house after 14 years of putting it on hold. They began to work on the house of, the, of their God, the Lord of Heaven's army, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius' reign. And so they said, okay, the time is now, we're going to do this, and they, their, their enthusiasm is sparked by God, and they begin to rebuild. Guess how long they begin to work before they got discouraged and they quit again? Not even a month. Anybody else can identify that? Are we like that sometimes? We get excited to do something for God, we start, and then we get discouraged and we stop. And, and they didn't even make it a month, and they stopped. What happened was, if you check it out in Ezra and Chronicles and other places, there was this religious festival of the Jews, and they all came to the temple where they're going to have this festival, and they looked at that temple compared to Solomon's previous temple, and they were like, this sucks. Can I say that in church? Is that okay? You all say it all the time, so I'm going to say it. You know, this sucks compared to the other temple. This stinks. This is puny. This is wimpy. And they got discouraged. And so they hadn't even been working a month and they quit again. And this happens to us sometimes. We get excited to do something and then some challenge, some opposition. Maybe it's us. Maybe it's somebody else, something beyond our control. And we stop. You know, this happened to me recently. And I'm not proud of it, but let me, let me tell you what happened to me recently. I got real excited. You know, I, um, I, I like to ride my mountain bike. And my mountain bike's kind of old. I've had it a while. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to get more, I'm going to get a little serious about riding my bike and I want to ride it downtown and ride the trails in Colorado. So I said, I'm going to spend a little bit more money than my previous bike that I bought at Walmart and I'm going to go buy me a, a nice bike. I had no idea how much a nice bike can cost. I'm like, I'm thinking hundreds, it's like thousands. And so I got like the basic entry level nice bike. I did not spend thousands. I spent a few hundred dollars I had saved up from some birthdays and things like that. And so I bought me this really nice bike and I was all excited. Now, when you buy a nice bike, you got to accessorize it, right? So, I mean, I got all the accessories to go with it. I, I even got me the dorky helmet to wear. And I wasn't going to buy a helmet, but true story, I went for a ride in the reunion area in our, our community, and somebody, a mother in our church, saw me out riding without my helmet. She rebuked her pastor on Facebook in front of everyone and said, that is not a good testimony to our children. I'm like, fine. So I had to go buy me a dorky helmet. And so I got me a helmet, I got me gloves, and I started riding. I went on two rides that were about 14 to 20 miles, rode downtown, rode around downtown, and, and riding back. And, on my, and I was so excited, I was so enthused, I'm going to take up biking, I'm going to do this, stay in shape. And two rides, here's where I ended up on my third bike ride. In the hospital. 
I got caught in a rainstorm in the evening. Uh, Marcial, our Spanish pastor, he was with me. I went around the corner. The bike flew out from under me. Boom, I went down on the shoulder, broke my collarbone, shattered it, had to have surgery. So now I've got you know, a plate and like nine screws. So my, my wife says I have a screw loose. I probably do. And so I, I was like, man, what I was so excited about. And then it just came to a screeching halt. And when that happened that night, there's a little more to the story. Marcial was with me. And so I, I fell. I, I couldn't really walk. And I was you know, broke and collarbone and so I sent him back to the truck and it was at night and it was dark he gets lost I'm standing there for like an hour waiting for him in the rain. I'm cold. I'm starting to kind of shake. So I have my bike in one hand. I'm holding like this. I walk two miles back to my truck thinking Marcial would be there. Maybe he couldn't get my truck started. He was nowhere to be found. He got lost on the trail in the dark. I thought somebody's kidnapped our Spanish pastor. You know, thought he was a bad hombre or something. I don't know. Some of y'all will get that. Okay, that's a little inside joke. And I mean, it was just, oh, it was so discouraging. And I had to stay off my bike, you know, for like a month. I was supposed to stay out for two months, but I kind of fudged on that. And so I'm back on my bike. But we have that happen in our lives. We, we get excited to start something and do something for God or something, you know, that we feel like would help our, our health or our life. And, and then we get discouraged and we stop. We start and we stop. Some of you can relate to this. You know, January, the gym that I go to, a bunch of y'all are going to show up in January. I won't be able to find an elliptical. I won't be able to find a treadmill. But I know if I hang in for four weeks, you'll all be gone. It's like the rapture happened, you know, or you decide, man, we're going we're gonna to get out of debt. We're finally going to, you know, uh, get out of debt and get a hold of our finances. And then, oh, my goodness, is Christmas in December again this year? I did not realize that. You know, or I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to finally take care of my health. And, oh, my goodness, Starbucks just came out with pumpkin spice latte. How am I going to do this diet? Or I'm going to start reading my Bible. And you stay up too late watching a movie. And what starts with excitement and enthusiasm, a setback comes along and we quit. If you're with me, say yes. And what happens? We get discouraged. We get discouraged. And so that's what had happened in this story with the Jewish people. They had started obeying God, rebuilding God's house. Not even a month goes by and they quit and they get discouraged. So God in his love and his mercy, he sends the prophet Haggai to talk to them again to get them back on track. We pick it up in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, then on October 17th of that same year, the Lord sent another message to the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. Now, he's going to encourage them. Now, God is so loving and so kind, he encourages them by asking some questions to point out the source and root of their discouragement. And he asks this question, does anyone remember this house, this temple, Solomon's temple, in its former splendor? And they're all like, yeah, it was awesome. How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like what, church? Nothing at all. And in these questions, I think he gives us two of the causes of discouragement in their life and in our life. And I hope you'll take some notes. The first one is this. You want to get discouraged? Comparisons is a way to find discouragement. They were comparing the old temple to their temple. And here was the problem. We do this in our life. We compare our start with someone else's finish. Don't we? 
And I mean, they're just getting started and they're comparing to Solomon's symbol that took years and years and years to build. And it was, they were getting discouraged because of comparison. And there were some of them there that were old enough to remember Solomon's temple. They would probably be in their 70s and 80s and they were just kids and teenagers back when Solomon's temple was, was completed and built. And they're looking and going, yeah, this is nothing. And they were comparing and they were like, this stinks. This isn't, we haven't gotten very far. And, and these comparisons were discouraging them. And maybe you're a man and you find yourself discouraged when you compare yourself to another man. You know, he's got a great job, a really sweet car, an awesome house in the most desirable neighborhood in the community. And you're like, you know, I hate my job, my car hardly runs, and I rent in a bad neighborhood. And I'm discouraged. Maybe you're a woman and you, maybe you don't compare yourself to another lady, but you compare your kids to her kids. Ladies do that a lot. And you're like, man, I look at her kids. They go to school. They've got the perfect, pristine, ironed, pressed, colored, matching outfits when they go to school. They take baked goodies to their teachers on a regular basis. And, my, and their kid is getting college credit in the fifth grade. And you're like, I think my kids had clothes on today. I don't know if they matched or not. They forgot their lunch money and their flunking P.E., and you get discouraged, you, you comp the comparison thing. And if you really want to get discouraged, just go onto Facebook and do some comparisons on Facebook. You know, man, they're on their fourth vacation this year in Hawaii. We can't even afford to, you know, get out of town for the weekend. Man, look at all the people that got invited to that party. We didn't get invited to the party. What's wrong with us? Or here's one, ladies. You know, I... Saw her likes for her duck face, and my duck face is better than her duck face, and I should have gotten more, you know. And we compare, and we get discouraged. And that's what was happening in this story. They were comparing the former, older temple to this one they just got started on, and they were very discouraged. Not only were they discouraged because of comparison, but they were discouraged probably because of a lack of progress. We get discouraged when there's a lack of progress. I mean, they just started building. It wasn't probably going as well as they'd expected, as well as they'd hoped, and they got discouraged. And sometimes when we start doing something in our life that we feel like we should do, you know, we get discouraged when there's a lack of prog progress. We decide to go on a diet, you know, and we eat nothing but kale and almonds for a month. We get on the scale and we've gained five pounds. It's like, what the heck is going on? We decide to start a business and we step out of faith and it's like things are going well and it's like two steps forward and three steps back. Or, or maybe in our Christian life, you know, you're like, I, I'm, I, I've put my faith in Christ. I'm a Christian now. I'm growing in my faith, but I, I, I get frustrated because my lack of progress in my walk with the Lord, I still lose my temper. Sometimes I still say bad words. Some of y'all, that probably happened this morning. You're getting ready for church. You're like, come on, get in the, the car. We got to go worship Jesus. We have your cars bugged. <laughs> and then you get discouraged, like, you know, two steps forward, three steps back. We see this happen in marriages all the time. A lack of progress. You know, I'm trying to love my spouse, encourage my spouse, be there for my spouse, but they're not reciprocating it. They're not responding. And then we wonder, is it even worth it? Why even try? And we, we say, maybe I should just quit. Maybe I should just quit. And we just, we want to give up. We get discouraged because of comparisons and lack of progress. And if I could just keep it real this morning, one of our values here at Orchard Church is we keep it real and just share my heart. I'm not saying this because I want you guys to send me encouraging notes or something on Facebook. You know, I'm going to be okay, but I just want, I want to identify that we're all on a level playing field here. You know, as a pastor, I get discouraged at times. Sometimes I think, man, I'm a pastor of a church trying to lead God's people in God's word. How could I think that? How could I say that? 
You know, I'll go home today, I promise you, after doing this message three times, and I'll lay in bed tonight and all day long thinking about, I should have said this, I shouldn't have said that, I should have cut that joke out, I should have used this, you know, did I, did I offend anybody? And I'll, and I'll get discouraged going, man, I just, did it really connect? Did people really respond uh, to this? You know, why, why am I telling you this? So we can all be depressed together this morning. That's why I, I'll feel better, you know, if we're all in this together. No, I just want us on a level playing field. Because we all find ourselves discouraged at times, don't we? We do, about different things. But the question is this, what do we do when we find ourselves discouraged and we want to stop and we want to quit and we want to give up and we want to throw in the towel just like they did here when they were trying to rebuild the temple? Well, thank goodness we have a loving God who's very clear how to remedy discouragement. And the same advice he gives to them in this story, I think we can take in our own lives and apply it wherever we need to based on what God is calling us to do. And so God says this through Haggai, very lovingly, very clear in verse 4. But now the Lord says, let's say it together, church. What does he say? Be strong, Zerubbabel. And then he says this, say it with me. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. One more time. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. Three times God says, I know you're discouraged. I know you want to quit. I know you want to give up. It's time to do what God's called you to do. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. He's trying to tell them something. He says, be strong, and now get to work. Do the work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's army. And God is so loving and God is so clear that when we're discouraged, he gives us the responses to discouragement, to get past discouragement. You have it in your notes. It's simply this. Be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work that God has called you to do. You know, last week, God raised up the prophet Haggai to tell them the time is now to get back to work, choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is God's responsibility. And remember what God just very clearly and lovingly told them to do last week? Build my house. Go up into the hills, bring down the timber, and build my house. Follow me step by step and do what I've asked you to do. They started working. They don't even make it a month. They get discouraged and they quit again. And so what does he say? Let me be loving. Let me be clear. Be strong. And get to work. Be strong and do the work. What's God saying? Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Now, he, what does he say? Be strong and get to work. It, notice it doesn't say, dream the dream. A lot of dreamers, but dreams never come to fruition if you're not strong and doing the work. He doesn't say, talk the talk. He says, be strong and do the work. He doesn't say compare to others because that'll just get you discouraged. He says, be strong and do the work. What is he saying? Pick up another brick and put it down. And then pick up another brick and put it down. Pick up another brick and put it down. You know you're struggling with a relationship with God. Get up, read God's word. Put down another brick. Get up, pray and talk to God. Pick up another brick. You know, your marriage isn't going well. Work on your marriage. Put down another brick. Pray for your marriage. Put down another brick. You're worried about your kids. Pray for your kids. Put down another brick. You don't like your job. You hate your boss. You get up and go to work. You put down another brick. You show honor even when someone doesn't deserve it. You put down another brick. You be consistent. You be strong and you do the work. That's what you do. It's not hard to understand. 
And, and this, this could be a game changer for some of you, this statement. This could be a life-changing statement. Some of y'all need to memorize this. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. That's the game changer in life right there. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. We, we're so quick to give up. We're so quick to throw in the towel. We're so quick to give in. Paul said it this way in Galatians 6.9. You want to memorize a verse to encourage you? He says this, so let's not get tired of doing what is, say it, church, good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I'm afraid that too many people miss the harvest, a blessing that is right around the corner, but we gave up too quick. We stopped too soon, and we missed the blessing that is right around the corner if we would just be strong and do the work, choose the hard right over the easy wrong and say, the time is now. I'm going to put down another brick. I'm going to put down another brick. Now, next week, we're going to close out Haggai, and we're going to talk about the blessing of obedience. Do you believe that God blesses obedience, church? We're going to talk about the blessing of obedience when we are strong and we do the work. Now, the best news of all in this passage, all of that was set up. Here's the punchline. Okay, that was all introduction. Now, some of y'all are nervous. Here's the punchline. He says, I know you're discouraged. I know you've quit again. I know you don't think you can rebuild my house. But I'm telling you, be strong, do the work, put down another brick. And you say, but I don't feel like picking up another brick. I don't have the strength. I, I, I don't have the enthusiasm anymore to pick up another brick in my life, in my marriage, in my health, in my finances, whatever. Well, here's the part. Don't miss this. He says, be strong and get to work. End of verse 4. Here's why. For I am with you, says the Lord. That's the game changer. Amen, church? Because he is with us. We sang about it this morning. When we're weak, he is strong. When we come to the end of our rope, tie a knot and hold on, and that's when God pulls us up. I mean, when we are at our weakest point and don't feel like we can do it in our strength, that's when God does his best work in and through us through the Spirit of God. That's when he does And we can celebrate that. Amen. It's okay. When we're weak, he is strong. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. All things are possible with God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That is great news this morning. Whatever God has called us to do, whatever God has called you to do, be strong and do the work. Why? Because he is with you. He is with you. I don't know what God has called you to do, but you do. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God speaking to you right now. There's something in your life, maybe there's some unfinished business, and God is saying, the time is now. The time is now. Don't get discouraged. Be strong. Do the work. And God promises a harvest, a blessing, if we don't give up. I want to spend the rest of our time this morning, I've tried to apply this to you personally in your life, but I want to apply this to us as a church collectively. Because in the last couple of years, there's something that we believe collectively here as a church body that God has called us to. And that is to, to build a permanent location for Orchard Church so we can continue to reach people for Christ and fulfill our mission to help people find and follow Jesus for generations and generations to come. When we 
came to Denver 11 years ago to plant Orchard Church, and we didn't know where we were going to meet. People were asking, well, are you ever going to build the building? And we said, we don't know. If God wants us to have a permanent place, he'll provide. But until then, God's provided you know, a place for us to meet. We've been meeting in Prairie View High School. It'll be 10 years we've been meeting in this high school this January. And praise God that we've been able to, to do that. But a couple, and we said, you know, we didn't come to Denver to build a building. We came here to build a church, and God has done that. Amen? And we said, but if there comes a point where God says it's time to put down roots and establish this church permanently in this community, he'll let us know, and he did. And so we bought the land, paid cash for it next door, and then last year, uh, we kicked off our legacy building campaign. Next Sunday, we will commemorate our one-year anniversary of the legacy campaign. Why did we do that? To fulfill our mission, to help people find and follow Jesus, to fulfill our vision, to multiply disciple-making churches, to continue to be positioned to reach the 55,000 unchurched people within a three to five mile radius of our property and right here at Prairie View High School. There's a lot of work. I I don't, you know, God's done some amazing things. We've seen God do amazing things in the last 11 years here at Orchard Church, but I believe the best is yet to come. Anybody else believe that? I believe the best is yet to come. And and I just want to thank those of you who've been a part of our legacy campaign uh, for the last year, over 300 families, individuals, and kids. We have kids that are part of this as well. Um, Committed $2.5 million over the next three years, over and above their normal tithes and offerings in order to help us to uh, build this building and establish this church in this community. Um, You can see it in your newsletter. As of this Sunday, we've received like 940,000 of that $2.5 million has come in. Thank you. Thank you. I can't tell you enough um, how grateful we are for that. We've done the math, and because of your giving, we've saved $2 million in interest alone. Imagine the kingdom work we can do with that money. And I know what some of you may be thinking, well, so legacy building campaign, that's a fundraising campaign. No, no, no. It's not a fundraising campaign. It's a faith-raising campaign. As God has raised our faith, as we've stepped out in faith to do what he's called us to do, as it's going to bring people to faith through our church and this community, our friends, our coworkers and neighbors that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you know what? God's timing is so amazing because we started this a year ago, and now we're talking about Haggai. The time is now. And have you guys driven by the property before you leave today? Notice um, our general contractor, they put the trailer out there. We got our grading permit a week ago. They're putting the fencing up. The time is now, y'all. It's going down, y'all. It is happening. It is happening. And I can't help but think, you know, as they're putting up the fencing, as you start seeing the bulldozers arrive, all of you who have given anything to the legacy building campaign, you're a part of that work. And more than that, you're going to be a part of the hundreds of thousands of lives that are going to be changed through this ministry in the years ahead. Because we're not just building a building, help me church, we're building a legacy of lives being changed. We have a goal um, next week of $1 million. We'd like to hit the $1 million mark within like 40, 50,000 of that. So if you need to catch up or if you can give 5 to 10% of your commitment um, to help us get to that, Shelly and I are going to do a, a large offering next week. Um, we want to try to hit that million dollars at the one-year commitment. And then we're also, these are in your newsletters. Uh, we're asking you to take these home, pray about them, bring them back next week. We'll also give you a fresh one next week. And we're going to ask all of you to pray about one of three decisions next week. Either I'm going to continue to fulfill my three-year commitment, or I'm going to increase my commitment if God has blessed you in that way. Or for some of you, you're new to Orchard Church. We have over 300 new people since last year that now consider Orchard Church their home. I'm not talking to, to guests today. I'm talking to people that say, this is, this is my church family, that you'd say, you know what? Some of you got to say, the time is now. You've heard about the legacy building campaign. You see that the building is getting started, and, and God's saying to you, the time is now to get involved. Be a part of what God is doing here 
at Orchard Church. Be strong. Do the work. And you know why? Because God is with us. Amen? We would not be this far without God. And you know, I've heard so many stories how God has blessed people that took a step of faith a year ago. And, and I want you to right now watch a, a short video of a, a lady in our church that had every reason the, in the world to not make a legacy commitment. As she was preparing to make her legacy commitment with her husband, he got cancer and he passed away a few months, just a couple of months before the legacy commitment. But I want you to hear what God did in her life because she said, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to do the work and I'm going to trust God. Watch this. Hi, I'm Connie Bush. I've been coming to Orchard for getting close to five years, I believe. I met my husband in January of, <clears throat> can't even remember the year now, but many years ago. But um, within a very short time, May 6th of the same year, we were married. We were married for 48 very wonderful years, never really had any huge difficulties in our life. I lost him a year ago in August to a six-month um, battle with cancer. I never expected to be a widow raising young children, but obviously it was in God's plans. Caitlin is 10 and Sean is 11. Having my husband gone and, and so quickly and so suddenly was so hard to take. And I just thank God every day for having my two young ones to raise. It was a couple months after Paul passed that um, we got to the point of doing the first commitment to what we could give outright to the Legacy Campaign and then to uh, what we uh, could give monthly toward it. And I, I prayed and really felt God's leading at the amount to give outright and made the commitment and continued to pray that God would help us meet our needs. After um, a couple months, I become aware that the income that I was getting was going to be cut by over $2,000 a month. But God was in control and, you know, says we can't outgive God, and that is so true. Shortly after, um, I got a call um, about renewing Paul's uh, life insurance with the credit union made me remember that he had said he thought there was a small policy with the credit union. Well, I was expecting a check for maybe, uh, you know, $100 or $500. When that check came, it was for over $5,000, as it included some interest from the time of his death, far more than I had anticipated. Shortly after this time, I also found out that uh, because of his death, the children were entitled to more Social Security, and I also was, and I didn't expect that at all. Instead of being making less or having less than $2,000 coming in a month, I was bringing, I wasn't bringing in, but it, coming in was more than that amount. God has blessed me so much that by meeting my needs that I have actually able to increase my tithes and offerings to the church. You just have to put your trust in Him. He's there and he that's one promise He has made to us. He will abundantly meet our needs and has more than abundantly met mine. And I would just, I would just put it out there that you really trust Him 
Take that leap of faith and God will supply. Awesome. Man, what a, what a precious lady, what a precious testimony that she shared. I, I just, every time I watch it, I think, wow, if she can take that step of faith and be faithful, any of us can. And if I could just take a couple minutes and just as we wrap this up, share my heart. You know, an area where I see a lot of people in their Christian life struggle and start and stop and start and stop and get discouraged is in the area of generosity, in the area of giving, in the area of tithing. And I believe for some of you, God is going to today say to you, you know, be strong, do the work, I'm with you. And maybe, you know, this is new to your Christian life. And I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to people that call Orchard Church, your church home. You know, I have people all the time say, well, I want to start giving to the Lord, but I don't, I don't even know where to start. Well, I think the, the appropriate place to start is where God started, in the Word of God. It's called a tithe. Tithing is the training wheels of generosity. And, you know, I shared this last week. I'll share it again this week. This is an area that... The first four years of pastoring Orchard Church, I didn't want to talk about. I shied away from it. I didn't want to be that kind of church and that kind of pastor. And I really felt that God was convicting me that, you know, you're robbing people of a blessing if you don't tell them what the Bible says about this area of their life where I promise if they step out in faith, I will bless them. I'll take care of them. And it's not always financially, but it's other ways. And so if this could just encourage some of you, the clearest passage of Scripture that I know of, and there's many, but is Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, bring all the tithes. Now, what's a tithe? A lot of people interpret the word tithe today as give, but the word tithe comes from the Hebrew word ma'aser, and it means tenth. It means 10%. It doesn't mean five. It doesn't mean 15. It means tenth. Bring all the tithe, 10%, into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple, the place where God's people worship. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you if you tithe, and I will pour out what, church? A blessing. There it is. A harvest of blessing. So great you won't have enough room to take it in. And then this is the only place in the Bible where God says this. Try it. Put me to the test. In this area, the area of tithing. Try it. Put me to the test. And you have this in your notes, and we believe this here at Orchard Church. And some of you know this. You've lived this. I've lived it all of my life, all of my marriage. When we give God our first and our best, the rest will be blessed. Amen? That's what the Bible says. That's what God tells us. When we give God our first and we give him our best, the rest will be blessed. This is what keeps a lot of people from tithing. They try to give God their second best. They try to give God at the end. Well, if I've got enough left, God doesn't bless leftovers. God gives blesses when we give our first and we give our best. And in the Bible, it's called a tithe. And what I've learned and many of you have learned, and I, wanna, I just want to share my heart to encourage some of you guys, is that it's a lot easier to live on 90% that's blessed than try to live on 100% that is not blessed. Amen? It's just absolutely true, and we've seen people live this out in their life over and over and over again, and God says, be strong, do the work, I am with you. Don't, don't get discouraged, don't stop and start. Uh, in Leviticus 27, verse 30, if you wondered what the tithe means, it's spelled out clearly in Leviticus 27, 30, it says this, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from trees, belongs to who, church? To us? No, it belongs to the Lord, the first 10% doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. And I believe he gives it to us in our paycheck as a test of our faith. 
to see if we'll give God our first and best and see that the rest will be blessed. It belongs to the Lord. It must be set apart as holy to him. And if you won't take anybody else's words for this, don't believe me, don't believe Malachi, don't believe the writer of Leviticus. Will you believe Jesus? Is Jesus trustworthy, folks? Jesus said in Matthew 23, he simply said this, you should tithe. That's good enough for me, right? If that's what Jesus said, Jesus said, you should tithe. How should we tithe? Brick by brick, paycheck by paycheck, giving God our first and our best, believing the rest will be blessed and that there's a harvest, a blessing promised to us, promised to us when we put God first in this area of our our life. And so one of the reasons I bring this up right now is we're preparing for our one-year anniversary of the Legacy Campaign. I told you guys this last week. You know, if everyone that considered Orchard Church their church home just tithe, if we were all just obedient to that scripture, we wouldn't even need the legacy campaign. We would have a completely paid for building in three to four years if everyone at Orchard Church would just tithe. That's, that's amazing to me. That's how God has chosen to advance his kingdom, to do his work. And so I, we throw this out about once a year when we talk about this topic. Um, if you're guest today, you know, I'm sorry you caught us on this, this Sunday, but about once a year, we'll take a couple of weeks and we'll talk about this. And we do what's called a 90-day tithe challenge. Because God said in Malachi, in the area of tithing, try it, put me to the test. And so we've had hundreds of people in our church that have done this, and we've heard hundreds and thousands of stories of life change where God has poured out a blessing to them. We call it the 90-day tithe challenge, where you say, I'm going to step out in faith for 90 days. I'm going to give God my first and my best, and I'm going to tithe for 90 days and see if God will bless me. If you want to sign up to do that today, I want to ask you to take out your connection card, give us your name, give us your email, and somewhere on the other line, just write 90-Day Tide Challenge. You say, why do you want my name and email? You're going to bug me about this, aren't you? No, no, no. I'm going to send you an email from me with some scriptures. I want to be praying for you guys by name, and uh, every you know, few weeks, I'll send you an encouraging email. Here's the number one reason why I want your email, because as God shows up in your life, and he's true to his word, and he blesses you, please share your stories of blessing. We want to share in those stories, and we'll email them out to everyone that's taking the 90-Day Tithe Challenge so we can all share in God being true to his word. And, and that's the best part of the 90-Day Tithe Challenge every time we do it once a year. Now, here's the, and then you just fill that card out, drop in the offering bucket, you're signed up, we'll send you a welcome email this week. Last week, we threw this out. We had over 40 families and individuals that signed up for the 90-Day Tithe Challenge last Sunday at Orchard Church. Can we praise God for that? Amen. And... There's some of you that maybe you you heard it last week, you've been thinking about it, praying about it, and God's saying the time is now. The time is now. Take this step of faith. Now, here's a catch. There's a catch. There's always a catch, right? But it's a good catch. We so believe in this where God says, try it and put me to the test. If you do this and you tithe faithfully for 90 days, and at the end of 90 days, you don't believe that God has blessed you in any way and taken care of you, you just let me know. We will give every dime back, no questions asked. That's how strongly we believe in what God has told us in Malachi. So if that's what God is calling you to do, I would encourage you to take that step of faith. And you're going to see God do some radical things in your life as you step out in faith and in generosity. But as we wrap this up, you know, whatever, what is it that God is calling you to do? You know, whether it's in your your family, it's in your health, it's in your finances, it's in your work, it's in your walk with God. What is it that you know that God is saying the time is now? Don't be discouraged. Be strong. Do the work because God says, I am with you. Let's, church, let's not get tired of doing what is good. 
Why? Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Do you believe that, church? A harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. Father, thank you for the challenge of your word this morning. May we apply it to our lives and be doers of your word and not just hearers only. May we be strong and do the work, most of all, knowing that you are with us. And when we are weak, you are strong and we can do all things through you. As we continue in an attitude of prayer right now, heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're here today as a believer and you'd say, you know what, there is something in my life that I know God is calling me to do. Whatever it might be, and the time is now. Pastor Doug, would you pray for me? I know there's something I've started and stopped or I need to start. There's something that God is calling me to do. Can I pray for you right now that you take that step of faith? Would you just slip up your hand all across this auditorium? There's something I know. There's some unfinished business that God is calling me to. Lift them up nice and high. God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Father, I just pray. For everyone here today, that whatever you're calling them to do, wherever you guide, you provide, that they would take that step of faith, that they would be strong, that they would do the work, knowing that you are with them, and that there's a harvest of blessing when we are obedient and when we trust you in our lives. Encourage them with that today. Encourage them with that today. So we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around for just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't know for sure if your sins have been forgiven, if you have a home in heaven. I, I know through this whole message I've been saying, be strong and do the work and be strong and do the work. But you know the Bible tells us there's one thing that we cannot do and we cannot work for, and that is our salvation. That was taken care of by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago on the cross. All we have to do is accept it by faith. So if that's you today and you know who you are, God's not asking you to do anything right now or give anything right now. He's asking for you to open your heart and your life and say yes to Jesus, inviting him in as Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith right now that you can pray from your heart to God's and you can invite Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. This isn't a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith behind it, you can invite Jesus in your life today. So if that's you today, would you pray this with me? It goes like this. Jesus, come into my life. I'm saying yes to you today. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'd never want to do that, but I'd love to pray for you. I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to pray that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So without hesitation right now, would you just slip up your hand for prayer? Yes, I prayed that prayer. I invited Jesus into my life. God bless you, young man. God bless you over here. God bless you, sir, right here in the middle. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Anyone at Orchard Church excited about people finding and following Jesus right now? Amen. Several people. God bless you. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for all those today that are saying yes to you for the first time, putting their faith and trust in you. We celebrate with them. We rejoice with them. The Bible says that even when one person says yes to Jesus, that a party and a celebration breaks out in heaven among the angels, and we pray that we would respond the same way on earth. God, thank you for their decision. We pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you uh, from this day forward. Lord, I just pray today that this message would encourage those who are discouraged to be strong, to do whatever you've called us to do and knowing that you never leave us or forsake us and that you are with us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and God's people said, 
Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate Decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. Listen, if you raised your hand and you said, I prayed that prayer, I accepted Christ in my life, and I meant it, please let us know about that on your connection card, and then drop that in the offering bucket, because I want to pray for you by name. We want to send you a little book in the mail called Seven Steps to Joy that'll help you in your new walk with Christ. If you're a first-time guest, thanks so much for being our guest here at Orchard Church. Hopefully, you filled out that guest connection card. Please drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, first-time guest, but we're definitely interested in you, and I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail from our church. If you're new to Orchard Church and I haven't had the privilege to meet you, I'd love to do so. I'll be in the courtyard uh, by the white tent after the service, so come by and introduce yourself uh, to me. I'd love to meet you. Uh, Next week, we're going to wrap up the book of Haggai, and we're going to talk about the blessing of obedience, because God blesses when we are obedient. We step out in faith, so you don't want to miss that. Also, we'll celebrate our one year of our legacy campaign, so you don't want to miss that uh, next week as well. Right now, we're going to check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church. You don't want to miss this. We also will worship the Lord uh, through our tithes and offerings that we just talked about. Um, and I also want to say this. We have been blessed here at Orchard Church to be a blessing in this community. Amen? We've been blessed to be a blessing. So if you're here today and you're 21 years of age or older and you have a legitimate need in your life right now for food, shelter, or clothing, uh, when that offering bucket goes by, there's usually a certain amount of just loose cash that's in there. And if you have a legitimate need and we can be a blessing to you, instead of putting something in, take something out so we can bless you in that way today. Amen? All right. Well, God bless you guys. Check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church. I love you guys. Hi, I'm Mike. Here's what's happening at Orchard Church. Here at Orchard Church, we're very passionate about Jesus' great commission to go and make disciples. We have a very intentional discipleship process where you'll grow in your faith and in turn help others to do the same. At this time, we want to celebrate those who went through our most recent discipleship training class along with their discipler. If you'd like to be a part of our discipleship process, simply sign up on the connection card today. At Orchard, it takes over 200 volunteers to help facilitate our services every Sunday. Here's a video of a couple of our faithful volunteers. Hi, I'm Jamie Sandiego. I've been at Orchard for about a year and a half. I serve because it gives me a sense of purpose and I just love being around people and just being the light of Jesus to others. Serving makes me feel really happy and joyful. It's allowing me to be the calling that God has called me to be. Like I feel like God's called me to be an encouragement to others, so serving helps me have a purpose in that area, to encourage others to come back and just giving a friendly smile and knowing that people do care. I serve because I make a difference. If you're not currently serving, we'd like you to consider attending our next I Serve Volunteer. Our I Serve Volunteer is just that, a guided behind-the-scenes tour introducing you to various ministry areas and the volunteer opportunities available at Orchard Church. 
We'll help you find the right fit based on your passion, personality, and availability. Just check serving on your connection card and we'll invite you to our next tour, which is held the second Sunday of the month during the 9.50 a.m. service. This is the end of our service today. Thanks so much for worshiping with us. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. And let's go Broncos! Thank you.